This is the 352nd Worship to Go, the weekly podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church, recorded on Trinity Sunday, May 26, 2013. When you live in a city, as we all do, even those of us that live in the suburbs which are a little further east, we know that on very clear nights we can see stars. We see some stars, but not in the way you see them when there is no light pollution from the city to pale the display of wonder that they really are. I know because when Bo and I travel to New Hampshire every summer to the White Mountains, I experience the stars differently. I can literally see them forever, layered on top of each other. You see constellations, and if you are patient, which I'm trying to be in my older years, you get to see shooting stars fall from the sky like fireworks. It's awe-producing. And when you think that we can only see a very small portion of our galaxy, which is spread over 100,000 light-year expanse, and I don't even know what that means, 
I can't fathom how large it is. And that we are only one among millions of galaxies. It overwhelms me. It's so big. It's so wonderful. It's awesome. And my guess is that the writer of the eighth psalm had one of those aha and ah moments while looking up at the stars. He was looking up and he was thinking how amazing it was that God could have made this wonderful, big, expansive creation. Of course, he would not have known just how big the expanse was and that he was, what, and that he was looking. But since I can't even imagine the size of God's creation, it doesn't matter. Numbers and sizes like that are too big to comprehend. He saw what we can see and what we know, that we are small and God's creation is awesomely wonderful. So I ask you to close your eyes and picture yourself in the country. You are out west or in upper state Michigan or in the mountains of New Hampshire. There's no ambient light, so you're able to look up to the stars and ponder the universe and see the glory and see the beauty and see the immensity of God's creation. Listen now as your imagination gazes up to the stars as I read Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy of the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a really big Sunday in the church year. Okay, well, perhaps you can't tell by the attendance on this holiday weekend. But today is Trinity Sunday, where we celebrate the gift of knowing God in three ways. Through the stories of the common Hebrew scriptures, we know a God who creates, who makes a covenant with people who care to care for them. And in return, they must have only one God and follow God's laws. This is a God who promises to care and be there for a promised people. Through our gospel lessons, we know God through the life and the death of Jesus Christ, our Christ, who taught us about real love and real sacrifice, and that we as followers of God should emulate that love and concern in our life 
and in our faith. And the third way we know God is the way we feel God's presence with us today. Those moments when we know God is close as our breath. That intimate gift of the Holy Spirit, which was promised in the Hebrew Scriptures to abide in our hearts and came to us at Pentecost. For us, the followers of a triune God, we have the knowledge of a God of the past, the intimate experience of a God in our history, of knowing that what God's nature was like and when God came to us in human form in Jesus. And this still intimate experience of knowing God is still with us and that God loves us unconditionally. Now I know it's hard to comprehend our Trinitarian doctrine. To the outsider, it sounds like we are not monotheists, like God commanded the Israelites to become, but that we are people who believe in three gods. Well, and to us, it's really hard to explain. It's really hard to explain how three can become one. This morning's opening hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, speaks to the wonder of knowing God in in a Trinitarian manner. We sang to the wonder of God in three persons, and we called it a blessed Trinity. We sing it. We innately believe it. But I bet none of you wants to defend it out loud to a non-believer. Sometimes the heart can sing what we experience, but we have trouble putting it to words. Sometimes our faith is something we experience without having the ability to explain. If we're really honest, we can't explain a lot of our faith. We can't fully explain what happened on that first Easter morning. We can't fully explain what happened at Pentecost either. Still, we have experienced the gifts of both events within our lives. We just know. Our heart knows. We just know deep down inside. And it has molded us into who we are and defined our relationship with God. And my guess is that the psalmist had the same experience when he sang his psalm about God that we just heard. He looks at God's majesty and the incomprehensible greatness of his creator, and he's overwhelmed. He cannot take it all in. He responds by saying, What are human beings that you, who are so great, would take any notice at all of us? And yet you do. He is blown away by the mystery that we have all experienced, that this awesome God would in any way pay attention to us. This is not as much a question that the psalmist asks, but a statement of faith and a statement of wonder. How can we even call this God ours? Much like that famous Breton fisherman's prayer, O God, thy sea is so great and my boat is so small. There's an acknowledgement of God's greatness and majesty along with the faith that this awesome God cares about us all individually. 
It is at one time a prayer for help and a prayer of thanksgiving. The exact translation from the Hebrew says that we lack little from God. It's been translated in our Bible to mean that we are made a little lower than God. Or in one translation, it says that we're a little less than angels. As it was said in that first creation story in Genesis, we were indeed created in God's image. The psalmist then says that we humans were crowned by God with glory and honor. We're the queens and the kings who rule over the rest of God's creation. We are somehow stand-ins for God, and we must rule as God does. And then the question is, why? Why us? Why has God treated us so well? We're entrusted to care for God's world. We're the stewards of this good world that God has made. James McTeer, who's a Presbyterian minister in Tennessee, wrote in an exegesis on this psalm, saying that this psalm and in our lives and journeys of faith, questions and praise coexist. We can thank God for what God has given us and still question why God would do such a thing. God is so great and we are so small. And yet God has indeed chosen to help us establish a relationship with our Creator. Only through God are we able to know God as Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer. God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God is Mother, Savior, and All Wisdom. We know God through so many relationships, and we are in awe that God has chosen to allow us into this intimate fellowship. And we ask why. But our faith and our lives as Christians are full of those unanswerable questions that only make sense within the reality of our experience of God. I mean, why does a parent choose to love a rebellious child? Why should we sacrifice riches to help poor? Why should we preserve wilderness for God's other creatures or future generations? Why should we go to North Church or to Bethany Church or to Calvary Church to feed people a nutritious meal? Why would we open our doors to families without homes? Why should the deacons take flowers to those who are sick or are homebound? Why are we to care? And the answer is that God cares and that we are called to do God's work. Our amazement at the experience of God's majesty and the fact that God cares for us in such intimate and loving ways means that we who are made in God's likeness must do God's work here on earth. Our prayer of thankfulness to God becomes a call of ministry to each of us. Because our glorious God has crowned us with honor and glory, we must do God's work here on earth. As my college Old Testament professor, Dean Dara, used to say at the end of every lecture he gave, 
The proper worship of God is the emulation of God's nature. You see, we love because God loves us. Amen.
I ask you to join with me in the litany for the nation. Eternal God, before you nations rise and fall. They grow strong and wither by your design. Help us to repent our country's wrong and to choose your right in renewal. Amen. Give us a glimpse of the holy city you are bringing to earth, where death and pain and crying will be gone away, and nations gather in the light of your presence. Great God, renew this nation. Teach us peace, so that we may plow up battlefields and pound weapons into building tools, and learn to talk across old boundaries as brothers and sisters in your love. Great God, renew this nation. Talk sense to us so that we may wisely end all prejudice and may put a stop to cruelty which divides or wounds the human family. Great God, renew this nation. Draw us together as one people who do your will so that our land may be a light to nations leading the way to your promised realm which is coming among us. Great God, renew this nation. Great God, eternal Lord, long years ago you gave our foremothers and fathers this land as a home for free people. Show us there is no law or liberty apart from you, and let us serve you modestly as devoted people through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.